0: Hey, I'm I'm Renna. I'm one of the Empire plot writers, uh, and I'm here with Andy and Matt, who have recently completed some work on Half Magic, which is hopefully launching around the time that you're hearing this podcast. So I'll let Andy and Matt uh, start off, I guess, by just talking a little bit about what Half Magic is and what this project has been about.
1: Hello, Matt, you go first. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's quite a big piece, I think. It's been a while since we did a big overhaul of a section of the wiki. I think it's probably
2: equivalent to sort of when we've overhauled the Conclave in the past or another
0: priest game or something like that.
2: The priest yeah. is the one I think is the closest analysis. While we talk about it as a wiki overhaul, we're really overhauling a whole a chunk of the game itself. Although I think the difference here is there we very actively
1: change things. Where here what we've done is go back and try and completely rewrite and, and what we're doing to present the original ideas much louder, more clearly, put them in the right context it was really clear actually um, from talking to npcs and others and listening to players that our original ideas on half magic had been communicated astonishingly badly
0: yes i mean certainly i as a plot writer i, I think I, I feel a little bit of credit for sort of helping to kick this off or push you into it because i i certainly and i think a number of plot writers sort of kept finding that we'd have discussions with you guys about what half magic was where your vision of it was kind of quite consistent and quite clear but then you you just talk to players or crew or NPCs or literally anyone else about it and everyone would have slightly different ideas about exactly what half magic was exactly what it meant in the game and exactly what the stuff that was on the wiki meant and it just sort of felt like the more you looked into it the more confusing the situation was
2: one of the things we failed to grasp and i think we did fail to grasp it fairly early on is i've just done a quick search to uh, to remind myself we mentioned what half magic actually is in two places on the on our wiki at the moment it's uh, And it comes to a grand total of 159 words, (laughs) which are actually pretty much a repetition of each other in the sections half magic on the magic summary page and what is half magic in the FAQs. So we didn't do a really good job, in my opinion, of communicating to anybody. What we meant by half magic. And that's what we're trying to address right now.
0: So, I guess before we go on to talking about the new stuff you've done, which is pretty exciting, I definitely want to talk about, it's worth probably asking you a little bit about like, what the development process was like back in the day. So, like back in the, the early years to appreciate a Confusing and Dark Time, clearly there was a, a vision concept with them originally. And I was wondering, I, I don't know that much about where that came from.
2: Hmm. It's an odd one. I genuinely can't remember exactly what led to half magic. I know that it was around trying to capture some of the ideas of story and narrative so that we could leave space for ourselves. I talk occasionally about the need for fantasy games to have some mystery and magic in them, whereas our actual magic, magic rules, our ritual magic and our spellcasting are pretty mechanical. In their nature, we leave plenty of space for role-playing, but at the end of the day, it comes down to how many mana crystals you can pile up for how many wizards, and you get the designed effect. And we wanted to leave a little bit of space for things like folk stories or true love or two people holding a pass against an entire army of orcs, stuff that, that wouldn't be supported by the mechanics of our game, but that could be used by us and by the players to make memorable stories, I guess. Matt did most of the work, though. Yeah, I think I was really keen,
1: wasn't I? I think it was a little bit my baby. I can mm-hmm. certainly remember I wanted to call it half magic and full magic, and you, 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 you can't botched that, and i quite right.
2: It's because I, I have no poetry in myself.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, quite rightly. Part of, you know, where I come from in live role-playing is I love all those old folk stories, I, you know, the old classic English folk stories. There's a charm to them and a quality to them that I wanted the world to embrace and capture. But there's an element with empire in which we're trying to be both really original and have a genuinely new and novel setting but it also it has to resonate you have to see the world and it has to feel familiar and so you're trying to be both old and new at the same time what i mean by that is if you look at sort of 80s fantasy literature the place names are all ludicrous collections of consonants and we laugh about it now You know, that is the bad old days. But the reason that failed is because they were coming up with just random ideas off the top of the head that had no resonance. They didn't match with anything you were familiar with. It didn't feel culturally close in a way. And for me, Half Magic is ultimately about trying to capture some of that flavor and evocative feel of fairy stories of folk stories of myths of horror stories it's hans christian anderson it's
0: grim Thousand and One nights it, because i think you're right that folk legends and folk tales have us have that kind of quality to them that is i don't know if you've read jonathan strange and mr Norrell. Yep. which i think is a superb example of i would say a lot of the stuff in that is half magic and yes. actually it has as, as we'll kind of get on to it has this thing in that where people do things and they're not necessarily sure why that they work but they know that they do and actually it's maybe kind of some part of some greater ma- ma- magical principle that's been lost because the themes in, in that work you sort of feel like that, that there's like well you know that if you put this in this it'll purify water or something so are there new things in this half magic update or what are the kind of new ideas or things things that players certainly are seeing for the first time
2: we've been as clear as we possibly can about the fact that hearth magic is not belief-driven.
0: When you say belief-driven, what, what do you mean?
2: It works whether you believe in it or not, and it's not shaped particularly by the beliefs of individual players or nations. But more importantly, what I think we've tried to get at is the idea that it's not national. And what is the best example to give? I'm trying very carefully not to give a bad example, but I think we talk, for example, about the fact that bells, one of the commonly known half magics are used in high guard particularly and they seem to remind the unquiet dead of their lives and have a certain effect on them but that those bells may also work on unquiet dead from outside high guard Uh, but there's also been observations that for example a calavesi white might respond to a a loud horn being blown in the same way that the High Guard observe the unquiet dead around the necropolis responding to bells. The magic isn't about High Guard, that bells thing.
0: But, but High Guard, as a place which makes a habit of burying the dead literally every, everywhere to the extent yeah. they have an entire city for it, have encountered the unquiet dead so much in their history that an understanding of how you effectively deal with them has developed and become kind of culturally important and significant over time.
2: It has, but the bells and the chimes, I think we talk about chimes as well. The Bas Chimes are listed as being a half magic that is high guard in nature because it is the highborn traditional understanding of an underlying half magic that has to do with memory and sound and the dead kind of thing.
1: I think the key point is that because of the way the half magics have been presented on the wiki and it would be go, These are your nation's half magics, there was a widespread assumption that those half magics only worked in that nation, that they were literally yeah. somehow you know, it wasn't just players who thought this. Some plot writers made this assumption, too. That, And then you get into this crazy world where the half magic is literally linked to the egregore in some way, as if yeah. they were, like, the, the sort of the source of the half magic, which, which...
0: Which I think, we've not talked about for a while, but I think PD's game, previous game, Odyssey, which, which was, was sort of a different creative team, but, like, obviously was being run under the PD banner, many of these kind of concepts were true in that, now a much smaller subset of I mean, a much smaller game. But, you know... yeah that had a lot of concepts around nationality, defining reality and defining magic and all of this kind of stuff. Yep. And I do wonder sometimes, especially because that was that was happening sort of near the beginning of Empire, how much that understanding shaped what people were thinking of things in in Empire.
1: I think that's probably true. And I think it probably blindsided us because me and Andy weren't particularly involved artistically. You know, I did various bits of logistics in support of, of Odyssey. But certainly after the first couple of years, it was a completely... Self-sustained creative team that were running that game, and I suspect you're right. I suspect that that
0: it was good. In honestly, let's just be clear. But it's just we're moving in different directions.
1: Yeah, yeah. I hadn't even thought about it, but I would be surprised if that had not had an impact, because certainly this view that each nation almost has its own reality
2: was was sort of growing. I think to be to be honest, we probably should more alert to it because it occurs to me that that's not a million miles away from some of the misconceptions people had about the Maelstrom gods Mm. that they were shaped by the belief of their believers which was not really the case at all
0: i think in many ways it's because uh, so i'm going to try i was trying to get too arty with this but one of the interesting things about half magic is is this thing that from an oc point of view kind of it works about as much as you or it works approximately proportional to the amount you OC invest in it and believe in it and and one thing you say and much more explicitly now is that basically we think you will have a cooler game if you really lean in into these tropes and that's good but I think it's actually very easy to then sort of because some games take the kind of design decision that when you think like that OC it should reflect something I see so that because effectively out of character it it is true that the more you believe in half magic the more real it is it makes sense to translate that in character the more you believe in half magic the more real it is now that's that's not the case but belief makes reality true. It is true about LARP from an OC perspective. And of course, many LARPs use that fact and actually make it part of the world and really you make it make it diegetic or, or, or really go with That's not the game that Empire is, but I can see why it's actually a really familiar thing. And I think in this particular medium, that is to say LARP, it's easier to do than in something like a fiction book, maybe even tabletop role-playing where there is less i think often of that sense i mean these tropes do appear in tabletop but i think often in different ways so i wonder if larp is particularly that kind of idea is 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 very common
1: yeah i think you're right i think LARP does suit it as a medium because effectively reality is defined by what everyone collectively believes it to be
0: yeah you have that line about if, if we don't send npcs in saying there's orcs over that hill because actually then there are orcs over that hill whether that's true in the game world or not because everyone will collectively believe it and collective beliefs taking root in a player base that aren't true in larp and there's no real way you can necessarily always pull it back or it's hard to
2: we've talked a little bit about that because obviously we run we, we believe that there is an objective reality which is reality as we understand it i don't think we ever change the rules to support player belief because we're monsters but what you can end up with is a tension between the objective reality as understood by the people Framing and running the game, and the subjective reality is understood by the players and their character. We saw a little bit of that coming in with Half Magic, which is one of the reasons that we finally pulled our fingers out and got to work on doing this overview.
1: So, I think we wanted to try and address a lot of these misconceptions that have grown up. We wanted to really try and explain what hearth magic was for in the game we wanted to get across this idea that you wanted to embrace it and then we also wanted to go through every nation because actually some nations had some really great hearth magics discussed for them that could be role played with and really brought into play and others it was pretty ropey it was it was a mixed bag so there's been a a big attempt to sort of broaden and deepen
0: and presumably that was because actually the original people writing those nations You know some people had ideas that worked really well and happened to align really well with the game that was becoming and some people had ideas that felt really interesting but actually turned out to be harder to realize in play than it seemed.
2: In some ways I think it was less an ideas issue, it was more that some of our nations led themselves very effectively to solid half magics right
0: i guess that's what i mean
2: so the marches for example their half magics have a strong thread of english folk fantasy and horror running through them so it was easy to see that standing stones would be important the chalk things would be important the puppets would be important
0: and the league i think is
2: Mm -hmm. the league is strong dawn is very strong as well we looked at traditions that we felt would work well in a sort of Arthurian romance with overtone whatever, however you determine Arthurian romance I won't get into that but Orison for example I think suffered a little bit from the fact that while many of its, uh, any of its you know, um, themes and tropes are quite strong they didn't immediately lend themselves to half magics
0: What I want to ask now is though uh, because we've talked a lot about what half magic isn't could you give the, the elevated pitch for what half magic is in your view?
1: So half magic from my perspective is the natural laws of the world itself. The example I used when I was chatting with Andy about it is like a lodestone floating in a bowl in our world always points north. And no one knows, quote unquote, why that should be. It's just a useful fact that people can make use of. Now, obviously, we now in a kind of post- industrial revolution or post-technological world understand why a lodestone points north when floating in a bowl of water i mean
0: i don't magnets are really hard to understand you're a physicist by training so maybe you do yes you're right yeah yeah. okay then that's what even are magnets
2: nobody knows
1: (laughs) nobody knows literally nobody knows what a magnet is or why that happens and actually you know it's fascinating because even when you say well it's a magnet all you've really done there is put a a word or a name on something you haven't really explained anything to so actually understand magnetism is really
0: the world is a big bar magic magic i, I remember this now in school is it, the world has a big red and blue thing through it and it the red end is it has a big s and the blue one has a big n and things point towards n
1: that's right so hearth magic is effectively the laws it's the natural laws of the world, it's how the world works. And I remember actually me and Andy were almost having an argument early on when we we're doing this review and Andy was like, but, uh, cause I was talking about some of the laws of ritual magic, like the law of dominion. And Andy was saying, well, I thought that was just for ritual magic. And I was like, no, no, because the underlying physics of the world is the same, whether you're doing ritual magic or you're using half magic. It's not that there are a set of laws for both. It's right. one more set of physics for the world.
0: And to be clear, you haven't defined, there is no secret PDF of the actual physical physics of Empire, and neither will there ever be, nor is there any game in trying to find it. But you're clear that in some sense, it may be unknowable, even to you, but it does exist. Yes, absolutely.
1: Yes, just like you say, almost nobody knows how a magnet works. We could roll back 500 years and say, well, nobody understands how a magnet works, but we all know it works. We all know these facts to be true. We just don't know why they are true. And as Andy said, uh, mystery is a really important part of story, that there needs to be an element of the unknown. You probably can't write the rules down anyway, because in the real world, the rules are unchanging and they are based on what we might call the laws of...
0: Well, I mean, <laughs>
2: I mean I'm mean, i not sure there's consensus on that. Either. Okay, the first person to mention quantum physics is getting kicked off the court. Yeah, yeah, that is fair. But, my- but actually, quantum physics has a really strong
1: analogy. <laughs> what did to I just empire. say? And I think, yeah, thanks, Andy. I think it's great for bringing that up. So <laughs> the point is that, The laws of hearth magic, what they obey is the demands of narrative and story. And sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. And there's no in-character way that you can tell whether they are going to work or not going to work. Just like in quantum mechanics, there's no way to tell whether the electron goes through the slit on the left or the slit on the right. You can't, you, there is an indeterminacy there that is actually. Th- and this, is
0: your, this is your accessible explanation of half magic. Is it is, it is. A-
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Out of character, everybody understands how half magic works. Basically, the most dramatic outcome is the one you get. That's how it works. That's the rule book that we're operating to here. The thing that produces a good story. But
0: crucially, in Empire, there's no particles of narrativium, which is a Discworld term that I, I know you don't know, but there's no particles of narrativium <laughs> poking around doing stuff. That's. There
1: might be, but we're not going to define them. We're not going to write equations for them. That stuff is funny, but isn't a useful textbook.
2: I actually have narrativium literally up on my computer screen at the moment because I was about to bring it up. I disagree slightly with Matt. I see where he's coming from. We're not going to talk about uh, particles of narrativium. But when I'm thinking about half magic, it feels to me like there is a fifth fundamental force in the Empire universe, and that is whatever you might call it narrativium fate whatever that is a factor that we build into our games a lot
0: which i guess i mean it's the same thing that informs why the something like the sentinel gate works yep the sentinel gate clearly has an oc function it lets people go to linears and battles and and cool encounter tents which we set up but very explicitly in character it works by Fate, which incidentally actually is something Empire Shares of Odyssey because Odyssey had a very similar concept. I think because it's just such a natural thing to put in LARP.
2: Essentially, there is something in the makeup of the creator's cosmos that is able to judge whether a, a significant event is going to take place or not. Right. And part of that is Around half magic, there is something in the fundamental makeup of the Empire universe that can judge whether an oath is being made and whether that oath is being fulfilled or not, and so on and so forth. Yeah. It is coming from outside. The other thing we should say, which is quite
1: interesting, is that when we were doing the revision for half magic, I started off by writing the page about half magic because there wasn't one, and it's like, okay, that's the starting point was to write the page about half magic, and in doing that there was about a thousand words where I drew together all the parallels about the different half magics in the different nations and basically applied a massively reductionist approach to it. And we looked at that and we went, oh, it's awful. It's just awful. It takes all the joy and the mystery out of it and it makes it really mechanical. And we cut that writing because it didn't add anything to provide
0: Yes, you can see those kind of themes. But I think there are more fun left as as parallels you can notice and ex- yes. acknowledge exists, but without being written down in the way that... Cause I never saw this draft, but I imagine it looked something a little bit like what the rules of ritual magic look like. You had the law of X, the law of... It looked very
2: similar. Um, it also, we realized very early on that, that as soon as you lay things out like that, the way, the way we kind of understand some of the common themes in ritual magic, we would immediately open ourselves to a bunch of emails going, where is the oaths half magic for dawn uh here is my suggestion for an oaths half magic for the marches etc etc
0: yes and i can see why you've why you've stepped away from that approach as, as a result
1: you can look at half magic and you can think well insignia is a big half magic in the imperial orcs they're, they're very concerned with devices and insignia on them and on that and so forth and heraldry is a big half magic in dawn and there's got to be some kind of underlying unifying theme there
0: what i like actually though is the way in which some of your examples from the nations is that you've wrote and expanded have odd edge cases that don't quite fit like you can't come up with moving back to the physics now, you can't come up with a standard model yep. of half magic because there's just weird things like so something like the way verushkins interact with hospitality and hospitality is a theme if you like a theme is possibly the best word that appears in a few nations understanding of half magic but that the way the way the rush interact with it also has stuff about the way in which people are treated and how that shapes your experience of them in a way that doesn't appear in say the way the brass coast interact with or think about kind of hospitality so I think you know it's not as simple as oh that's the hospitality one for that because you know well actually but that also has maybe some of these themes in and I think that to me more convincingly creates this impression that there is an underlying kind of understanding of the world but different people and different peoples within the empire world have come to a different understanding of which ones are relevant in their lives and important and about how to understand it. So that if Rush can talk to some of the brashkos about hospitality, they will just kind of disagree on exactly what hospitality means, but neither of them are particularly wrong. they just, they have got slightly different working models, like some of the early models of the periodic table, which were kind of had a lot going for them, but weren't quite there or whatever, but were particularly, had a good predictive power and were powerful and, and clearly told you things about the world but like you very much avoided trying to kind of nail stuff down in that sense
1: yes because fundamentally we're not trying to create a grand unified theory we're not trying to create a set of iron hard laws what we're trying to create is a toolbox to write interesting stories with both for us to do that and for players to do that
0: so i think it's natural to then talk about one of the nations but i think from this discussion i think it's natural to talk about uresden And exactly how you've written the Urizen Half Magic, because with that, you've gone in a different direction perhaps to the other ones for some of the reasons we've already talked about.
1: Yeah, Urizen's really interesting because it was one of the difficult ones to write Half Magic for in the first place. And actually, it was quite difficult when we went to do the review. And I was thinking about why. If you look at the development of half magics originally, and it's obviously seven years ago, and my memory is notoriously poor. And myself and Andy did a lot of the reviews of the nations where they have been originally written. And what would happen is someone would, would effectively write, there is a common superstition in this nation. They think that doing this has this effect. And it would almost be written in the tone of, but we all know it doesn't. You know, everybody realises that putting a standing stone up in the marches doesn't really have any effect. It's just a superstition. And we would take all that writing and go and lift those beliefs out and go, no, no, these are true. This works. This isn't a superstition. And again, that's something we'd stress very hard in the review. This isn't superstition. This works. This is magic. This works. And the problem with Urizen is that when you're creating a nation that's thematically about scholasticism, about philosophy, about the study of magic and the study of the world and about a very kind of esoteric approach, it doesn't naturally lend itself to a load of crazy superstitions.
0: So they weren't written with ones that then became half magic because that wasn't what the nation was about?
1: Yeah, it didn't feel like a theme to go. And everyone also believes that standing on your head is good because it makes the blood run to your head, so your brain works harder. It just didn't f- seem to fit with the, th- the theme. And actually, you know, it's been a complaint, I think, with her, isn't that some of the hearth magics are not very accessible, not very exciting, and not very interesting and all engaging. I kind of kept wrestling and wrestling with that. We want to expand it. We want to add more here. And the concept we came up with is that In a sense, the story in Urizen is magic. The story its not quite magic. It's really about philosophy and about... They are kind of the scientists of the empire world. They're the, the people with the lab coats running the experiments.
0: Although I think it's worth saying that although they're scientists, so that as you actually said they're the big esoteric nation, there's an esoteric wisdom aspect of Orism, which I think is just as important as the thing you mentioned.
2: I think it's worth noting the science thing is is not actually the core element of Orison, it is philosophy. It is. is. It's thinking about the universe and that was the element that made the half magic
0: tricky. I mean, to the extent that Orison are scientists, they're much more like scientists, natural they're much more like natural philosophers.
2: Yes. We use natural philosophy a lot. We don't use science. Because the
1: scientific method will not work in Empire.
0: Well, exactly as you were saying. David Hume would have been crying because it's not true that just because something happens one day, it will happen the next day.
1: Correct. Yes. That's not true in Empire. The idea I had is, look, Urizen is a nation of people who are fascinated by magic and who use magic and are always looking at new ways to use magic to achieve better understanding of the natural world and to manipulate the world to achieve what they want they're not abstract philosophers they're not doing this to produce books of philosophy they're doing this so that they can make profound changes to the world the net of the heavens is an essential part of the reason. it's that belief that you can apply a tiny amount of force here and produce a powerful ripple effect to change the world to be the way you want it And half magic absolutely fits into that. Although it's unreliable and you won't get the same outcome twice, it works. And so the concept we came up with is what if Urizen is the nation more than any that makes a study of hearth magic in the same way that the setting kind of describes them making a study of formal magic so that their page is almost one of the biggest and longest it was almost one of the shortest before and now it's quite a huge piece of work um, because it's, it's got a lot of sort of philosophical ideas I think one of their hearth magics is truth so it's filled with philosophical ideas and kind of Presents us almost a slightly deeper understanding of half magic.
0: Incidentally, on a shabti, do you see the fact of shabti work as half magic itself? No, or are they that is just a different kind of thing?
2: Nope. I have a note somewhere exactly describing how a shabti work. So it's not half. Yeah, and
0: that's what I thought. But I thought yeah, I think it was worth because I I have, have I'd have definitively heard people refer to Shabti as kind of Ura's and half magic.
1: Yeah, and it's not true. Now, there is a half magic element to a shabti, and that's really interesting. And the obvious half magic is they resemble human beings. And if you look at animated things in the empire world, they primarily resemble people. And there's an obvious half magic around. There's some sort of fundamental thing going on there that if you want to make something move around and work like a person, it has to look like a person. Now, if we made that in the modern world, robotically, it would have four legs or wheels. And, you know, we invented tractors before we invented androids. But in Empire, a tractor has to look like a person because shape and visuals are actually physically important to the world. And
0: size, actually, because we don't have, like, gigantic mecha or shabti. Yeah. Because that's not the size that humanoids are.
1: Correct. Now, we know, obviously, out of characters, because you can't fizz-rep these things.
2: Yeah, 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 right, sure. We're laughing a little bit, but that is one of the three fundamental tests we put to a lot of our half magic.
0: Uh, Are they
2: fizz-rep? Can we do it? Can it happen in a field? You might not be able to do it on the field at Anvil, but I think, I can't think of an exception to this, all of our half magics are practically applicable to a player event or a character story or a quest.
0: Sometimes you do write things where it's not necessarily... On field at anvil doable. I mean the classic example of this is Sovereigns right which are, are not written so that they'll turn up on the field at anvil with any regularity at all but but absolutely exists because they are a good space for quests and for sanctioned events and other such things.
2: I think our least wieldy half magic just running through the list in my head is probably March of Chalk figures Yep. But that is coupled with um, standing stones, which, which definitely are something that you can do. On I a mean,
0: floor. you say that, but I absolutely guarantee that, especially give it, given I've seen what some of the martyr people can do, that Matt's going to have a request in his inbox to create a temporary chalk figure like that. I predict it. I mean, they already made a Wicker Man, like an actual Wicker Man, <laughs> which they then burned.
2: Oh, actually, uh, the Wicker Man is an interesting one you bring up. Um, we also had a bit of a... We had some long wrangling during this overview about what isn't half magic. Yeah, and so
0: is a Wicker Man half magic?
2: Um, <laughs> Good question.
0: No-ish. Right.
1: Yeah, periodically when we were sort of sending this stuff out for review, there'd be questions like, why isn't this in? Skeins are really important in Wintermark. Why aren't they in half magic? Wicker Man, really important in, in the marches. Why isn't it in half magic? And it's because not everything in the world is half magic. Right. not everything is
0: i think the thing that's similar in the two examples you've given there a wicker men and skeens is that they have a more spiritual aspect yes both the, the marchers believe that a wicker man is fundamentally connected to this whole notion of shriving which is connected to the march on the sunday of spirituality and of course skeens and having a frayed skein or not having a frayed skein it is related to the wintermark understanding of how you move heroically through the world when that's that's related to your spiritual progress and in general i would say that things that are around that kind of thing that spiritual religious aspect those things generally aren't half magic would you say
1: yeah absolutely yeah totally the stuff that is about spirituality and belief is not half magic the stuff that is physics and fact hearth half magic, but for
2: Empire's world, right? I don't want to go into too much minutia here, but there is a liminal area, a crossover zone, a sort of a twilight between half magic and spirituality, where it, it's not cut and dried. You may have a poppet that has been hallowed, but you might also have a poppet that, for whatever reason, requires a spontaneous spiritual aura.
0: Yeah, or ghosts, or the unquiet dead. Uh, we uh, know ghosts and the unquiet unquiet dead. magic,
2: but then they. So there is some crossover and I don't want to go into too much detail about that, but part of it is because something may be drawing from two different wells, but looking the same.
1: People can have spiritual beliefs about the half magics. We've written in the Imperial Orcs that if you're cursed in a certain way, that will weight you down and you you may not be able to make it across the howling abyss.
0: And to be clear, you're not definitively not saying these things are not true or are true. But in general, if you're keeping a thing about spiritual beliefs, and that's if you try not to say.
2: We don't use belief very often in the half magic pages we've written. But when we do, we are laying out, you are fine to believe is the case, and we are neither confirming nor denying it.
1: Yes, the point is, the whole labyrinth and reincarnation and past life visions, there's a set of physical facts that are happening, and me and Andy know what those physical facts are. And then there are a range of different spiritual beliefs that you can have about what is taking place there there's an interplay between the two but we don't put reincarnation or the labyrinth in in half magic because it's about belief
2: i'm reminded that one of the questions that was asked by one of the people who provided with feedback is can half magic be heretical to which the answer is it absolutely can be heretical or blasphemous or idolatrous even because in exactly the same way as almost anything else can be Listing a bunch of debts in your Book of Reckoning in the League is clearly something that, that few priests would have an argument with. But at the point where you're listing a bunch of people that you are going to get for what they have done to you over the years, you're straying into areas that some religious people
0: striving for justice is what it sounds like to
2: me it does sound like an an attempt to achieve vengeance on those who were wrong (laughs) it would be absolutely fine and i would argue uh, and again it's an in-character discussion there is no way that you could say no 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 it can't be heretical it's hearth magic i think any priest or judicial character would laugh at the idea that something can't be heretical just because it is supported by your nation's hearth magic
1: yeah, half magic is just magic. It's effectively the narrative equivalent of a sword or a suit of armour. It's a thing that exists in the world. What is heretical is how you use it and how you apply it and the things you say about
2: it. We actually put quite a lot of time into in this rewriting to suggesting ways you could use half magic on the field, many of which are designed to support your internal monologue as a character, but a lot of them are designed to cause conflict because we like conflict do we want to talk about that a little bit actually about the using them in play element of half magic it's quite a new
1: approach for us on the wiki and here you can see the real evolution and empire actually is summed up the original wiki just says here's the half magic there's no discussion of it there's no suggestion about how it would be used there's nothing and then And then Andy created all these sections for each half magic, discussing how you use it in play, examples, how you bring it in, what you might do with it, how you could incorporate it. And my first nervousness was, we've never done this on the wiki before. It feels a bit like we're telling people how to role play. And Andy's counter argument with, yes, we've had like 600 people come and try Empire in the last two years who've never done live role playing before. You know, when we started with Empire, we wrote with an audience who were really experienced in live role-playing in mind. And I think slowly we're all evolving to a point where we should have been actually when we started, where we write with a kind of an assumption that you may have never even thought about these ideas before.
0: New player experience sort of thing. I, I absolutely agree. I think it's something that you have to do very delicately Yep. because you don't want to get overweening about it or tell people how to role-play. But I think it's one of the things, if we think about Empire's place in the wider context of the hobby in the UK which is obviously a bit of a weird thing at the time we record this because we're in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic but in general for me what a grassroots laugh is to some degree is something that has this feeling of bringing people into the hobby of making the hobby less of a closed shop where you already know how to do it, and so you do it. But opening the hobby up, not just as a starter thing, because I think clearly people can start an Empire and enjoy an entire LARP career Empire and never really play anything else, and that, that, that's fine and good. But I certainly think, you know, there's high concept games that don't need or care about teaching you how to play LARP. And that's okay, but I think it's important that there are games that exist that are good, that are high quality, but that allow people to come to the hobby and, and pick it up for the first time. The
2: in-play sections, while there's an element of what we've talked about there, that, that is a fundamental element. They're not just about trying to teach people to suck eggs, as it were. There's also an element of giving permission to people. So the obvious one I'm thinking of is we say at one point in insignia, and I think, again, in places like heraldry, you should absolutely assume that any insignia or heraldic device that somebody is using has a major significance to them. And view it through the lens of your own half magic and question them. And if they can't tell you why they're wearing a certain symbol or sigil in character, it is acceptable for you to be surprised or critical of that. Giving permission to undertake that kind of behavior.
0: Permissiveness is really important. I sort of predict that Matt is about to talk about maelstrom drugs. <laughs> it's not a channel for bullying. No, absolutely.
2: But it is a charter for saying you have permission to do this thing that seems strange or odd out of character. We're telling you it's absolutely legitimate in character and you should definitely do it.
1: I was thinking a lot on the run-up to this podcast about where half magic ideas are used in other systems. And I think half magic quite unusual to be put centre stage in the way it is in a fest game. But if you look the Nordic model of LARP, there's a lot of systems where magic basically does whatever you can persuade someone it will do i think Dumnoni chronicles operates a very similar system and there's an element of that in half magic it works if you persuade the other person to go along with it but rather than offer you a blank slate an empty canvas we've tried to create rules and lines that you can understand and apply And one of the reasons we've done that is so that we can get everybody onto the sort of same page about what should work and how it should work and what the effects should be. Because I think that makes the world more credible, more believable.
0: Now, does that mean that I'm a player? I don't have much time to read, maybe a bit more time during this global pandemic. Uh, Is it okay for me to just read the About Half Magic page and My Nations page? Absolutely. And that's so that's still absolutely fine. I don't need to know the detail of what Imperial Orcs believe about insignia to play no. my high guard priest. No, okay, no. good.
1: No, you don't. No, and that's very deliberate. We don't particularly want people reading all of everybody's half magic pages. Right. And my general expectation is that most players will be largely ignorant about other nations culture, their traditions, their beliefs and about the way they practice hearth magic so that you can then role play being surprised or like oh you know kind of react to it as your character might on detecting meeting it in the field. But nonetheless, if you think just within your own nation for a moment, what you're hoping for is a validation. If as a marcher I create a poppet, and I say this puppet is going to protect me from evil curses. It, it brings the vitality of the fields and lets me ca- captures it and lets me carry that around and be protected by it. Saying that as a marcher character, the wiki, the world, the setting, the game PD is going. Yes, that thing you are saying is true. You know, you are validated in holding those beliefs.
0: What we're saying there, kind of the contract we as game runners in your case and writers in my case are saying is we won't always do it this isn't going to be reliable but we will try and validate you so there is an expectation I mean I said the writer will make sure I'm reading all of the half magic pages and trying to internalize them because actually I do want to think especially if I run a march a plot in which someone has to go and deal with some kind of evil spirit haunting the fields then I would like to say to that monster who's playing my evil spirit if anyone's wearing a poppet then they are protected. You should role play differently with them. We want to yep. reify those cho- those player choices. Yep. And that's the kind of the social contract that we're trying to uphold as game organizers.
1: Yeah, totally. We won't validate everything. If you say, Well, I have this puppet so I can fly, everyone around you will go, No, that's not what puppets let you do. It's just crazy. Because everybody, hopefully, around you, or the other marchers that you're going to be role playing with, understand what a poppet can achieve because they've read the half magic page so they will also validate it they will be like yes yes i that you're right that's what a poppet does
0: and if your friend who's with you who is a leaguer is coming on that you've got some leagers with you on the same quest because they're joint thing it's actually quite cool if they go what are you talking about and the is like no, no no you don't understand these straw dollies they're going to protect us and the leaguers can be like what and then it turns out they do and the leaguers can be like whoa yeah
1: Yeah, the validation is really really powerful in LARP. the example i'm fond of from maelstrom is not so much the drugs but the hat of intelligence Mm. and the hat of intelligence was a magical item you could make it, it cost you resources in the game i can't remember exactly how it worked but like just like in empire when you make a magic item it cost you resources and what the hat of intelligence did was it said if you put this hat on you are more intelligent and you think, well, I can see how that works in a tabletop. I would get plus one to my intelligence roles. How does that work in a live role-playing game? And how it works in a live role-playing game is anyone who put on a hat of intelligence would role-play that their character was smarter, more judicious, spent more time thinking about things, and was more intelligent. And it worked. It worked for what it needed to achieve in the game which is that we all now collectively kind of acknowledge the fact that person is more intelligent. And what the hat really did was say, if you want to role play this thing, if you we give you license to do that, we give you license to role play. And and it's a
0: magic feather, isn't it?
1: The Dumbo magic feather.
0: You're familiar with this, the, this work of art, Dumbo, Matt? I'm not familiar with Dumbo. I... So in, in, I'm going to spoil the plot of Dumbo movie, which is, I think, like more than fifty years old. But, um, so Dumbo famously has really big ears. He can fly. He can always fly throughout the movie. He can absolutely fly, but he doesn't believe he can. Yep. But at some stage, he gets given a magic feather, which he's told can make him fly. Yep. I mean, within the reality of the Dumbo world, that isn't making him fly. But the point is, actually, it gives him the confidence to fly. And we're sort of merging in character and out character, so it's not a perfect analogy, but I think it, that's something it feels to me very similar to what you're saying that the, the hat of intelligence is like a magic feather that gives you the permission yep. to role play in a different way. In the way that, in an empire context, actually, the spiritual auras, especially given their current form, I think very, very much try to enable.
1: Yeah, and there's a strong comparison between half magic and role playing effects. A lot of it is about giving you permission to role play. You sometimes see people say, Well, I can't role play this, it wouldn't make sense for my character. And the answer is, right, well, grab yourself a piece of half magic. You know, if you're in the league, put on a mask that would change your character's personality. And now you have permission to role play in a different way.
0: It, it, this is an interesting point when things can cross over and measure which is quite nice. So the rules say that um, you can't ignore a role playing effect unless you have a appropriate kind of aura that lets you do that. Super, a source of supernatural strength. And a half magic mask on its own is not a source of supernatural strength, but it's absolutely appropriate to wear a mask and then also be anointed. And the anointing is a source of supernatural strength, but you can absolutely role play and indeed have it, have it true that that is linked to the mask, the other half magic that's coming from it, you that you're allowed to link those kind of bits of role playing together.
2: We also included half magic as part of our toolbox along, we talk about it a little bit along with the magical traditions as things you can do as part of the the various ceremonies you do for your in-character stuff. We talk mostly about ritual magic, but there's a few examples where we talk about things like uh, priests in the league might use a mirror as part of their insight role-playing, because everybody knows that mirrors reflect the truth. And the mask anointing thing is an obvious piece of business that you can do as a priest. When you are anointing your fellow league citizen, you can actively
0: link the two together. I don't know that much, actually, about how people tend to roleplay their apothecary stuff. Mm. There's kind of issues with the fact that people have to go OC and get stuff. So I think sometimes it's a little hard for people. But it feels to me absolutely appropriate that if you were doing appropriate roleplaying for potion making, or I suppose another example would be if you were doing appropriate role playing for use of medical skills, you could incorporate half magic into that.
2: We talk a little bit, of, it's mentioned, I think, in one of the pieces of Brass Coast history, but a number of our potions take the form of salves. Several of our nations have got face painting or, um, or similar traditions, you could easily combine putting on your salve of plus one body hit with the half magic for presenting your battle face to somebody or preparing yourself to go into a dangerous situation.
0: And Brass Coast have uh, Syrah as mm-hmm. a key element of their hospitality thing. And so if you are dealing with, I can't remember what the potion form is that you can drink.
2: Tranquil Nostrum would be would be an obvious example of that. Instead of brewing up a pot of tea like you might in the marches, it would be entirely appropriate for a Brass Coast Apothecary to brew up a pot of his or her family's Syrah and pass it around with all suitable ceremony to gain the healing effect of the Tranquil Nostrum potion they've brewed.
1: One of the things we identified and put forward is that hearth magic is effectively self-reffing. It is up to you to determine how much it affects your character. Nobody's going to come along and say, Oh, you've got to do this. It's not like a formal magical curse. It's up to you to decide, determine how it affects your character. But because of that, there are no mechanical benefits to it. There are no, almost no mechanical effects. There are a couple of exceptions here and there that are specifically called out on the wiki. But essentially, there are no mechanical benefits to half magic. But
0: I think crucially, it is okay to roleplay that you are horribly cursed as a result of half magic and that's not wrong yep. either no. i think there's maybe some questions about because people will inevitably want to analyze that with blades and such i'd like to jump in here we uh, we talked about that literally yesterday i think it was matt we did we basically said if
2: you have being cursed in this fashion, and you are rolling with the role-playing, you can either just let the referee know, and we would hope that the ref will be able to incorporate that into the results of the ritual, or you can contact us uh, for our Decisions if you've got time between events. We will see what we can do to help you make the curse you are suffering as a result of Hearth Magic as real as we possibly can in the context of the game and its mechanics.
0: Yeah, because I mean, obviously you don't want to be overwhelmed with requests for that. It is not really that hard to do some small stuff that will make it mover mechanically. Uh, for some of the things for things like that
1: most people if they were going to take a, a reductionist approach to the game would say that creating a curse for yourself is not a mechanical benefit
0: yes absolutely I agree
1: you can absolutely have mechanical detriments yeah, <laughs> you yeah, can yeah. apply those yes but the point is that what is hearth magic for it's for it's for the story and it's for the explanation if I was in the hospital, and I'm suffering from some terrible wound that's poisoned and has some evil curse that's spreading through it—some Morgul knife curse—and I'm writhing in agony and and so forth. And somebody brings a poppet over and puts a poppet on me and says, "That'll give you the strength of the fields and and give you the the vitality of nature to help you fight it." I know. That's half magic, so I know that's not going to save my life. It's not going to provide me with a mechanical benefit. I need the surgeons and the people in the hospital to cut me open and cut that bit of the knife out, or I'm going to die. But I can also role play. I can stop writhing around and screaming because I can role play that actually the poppet has genuinely helped me. I'm not in the pain I was. I'm much more able. The strength it's giving me is allowing me to fight it. So. I can change my role playing
0: and if the surgeon themselves wants to incorporate the puppet into their surgery role play, that's also fine. As long as they're doing what's mandated on the wound card or whatever it is.
1: Absolutely, I, yes. As a surgeon, I might say, "Oh my goodness, I'm going to have to cut this person open. That's that's that'll be fatal. There's no way they can survive this unless we get a puppet. Somebody get a puppet, quick!
0: Right. That's totally legitimate." because I think medical stuff in Empire is intertwined with magic. One thing I want to... I've got one more question, which is spontaneous magic, which is to say magic that people create uh, using arcane projections. Do you encourage people when they are writing and conceiving of arcane projections to incorporate half-magic ideas into the way they think about that? Obviously they want to think about the ritual magic laws and have a good understanding of that if they're going to get through, and I know that's an error that sometimes people make, but also would you encourage people to flavour what they're writing up and submitting with half-magic?
1: no and that sounds really weird and i'll explain why our job when we assess your ritual is to determine whether it fits with the rules of the game and the rules of formal magic sure. and they are expressed on the page for the ritual magic right. and it has to fit with those rules or it will not pass because at the end of the day you're not role-playing with us we're not going to pass your ritual if it fails, but it's got the most amazing role play in it. We don't care. We'll fail it because we're not judging your role playing. So including half magic in the stuff you submit to us. So
0: I know some people put IC descriptions in as well as an OC description of what it is they're trying to achieve. But for you, it's, the, it's that OC description that really matters because it's about what is in keeping with the formal rules of magic rather than how someone is intending to role play.
1: Yeah, generally the OC is the most important part of what they've submitted. The IC is important, but I'd have to spend a while thinking about it and breaking that down. The point is that half magic is really important when you do a ritual, or when you do a spontaneous, an arcane projection, or when you do a a piece of formulaic magic, a normal piece of ritual magic. It's important when you do the role-playing of the performance of the ritual. It's important when you role-play with other people. But don't come into God and role-play with us in God using half magic, that won't work. It's it's a tool for players.
2: I would take a slightly different approach. Not not massively so, slightly different. There are a number of rituals in the game that mandate a certain type of activity as part of the casting of the ritual. And if you don't do that behaviour, you can't perform the ritual. And I'm a little bit more open. to some rituals where it's made a key part of the ritual to having that persist into the arcane projection. I would argue for it. I don't often win, but what it won't do is change the mechanics or the assessment or the magnitude or anything else about the ritual at all.
0: Which I think normally, which reflects the, the normal truth, that it's a lot easier to put restrictions and, and, and make stuff less good than it is to make it better. And so if you're saying you can only do this ritual. So,
2: so an obvious example might be a version of a ritual that, that gets rid of the venom or weakness condition. But has been designed by a bunch of highborn magisters and makes a big deal of washing your hands as part of it. And I might be prepared to go in with an argument that we should make the washing of the hands a key component. And Graham and I would yep. discuss it and come to a conclusion. It's not a,
0: hard... no, so never... a pre guarantee
2: for any archa- No, no, there'll be no pre guarantee. And the key thing I must stress again is it won't change our assessment of the ritual. That will be something we do after we've reached a decision on whether the, the arcane projection is going to to pass what okay. what it will do is make your ritual cooler it will make your ritual cooler it's and i might come back to it again if you were to codify that ritual at which point it is worth the additional time discussing whether how we can make this ritual feel unique and flavorsome for the people who've designed it and maybe put it it into imperial law.
1: but the question you've got to ask if you're making a ritual is do you, do you want it to work or do you want it to be cool well I, ideally you want both of those things. Yeah. And so, yeah, there is a role for half magic, and that is to make it flavoursome and, and and evocative and engaging. But it won't change whether your arcane projection passes.
2: I
0: mean, that makes sense to
2: me. It might be not a terrible point to start to bring to an end on, which is something Matt is very keen on and talks about a lot. Do you want to talk about leaning into the role playing, Matt? Well, I think we've talked about it a lot during the
1: podcast, really. But it's just the idea of that the the half magic works as much as you embrace it it's designed to make the role-playing more enjoyable it's not always to your character's advantage but it will be to you the player's advantage because you'll have a more enjoyable event you'll be involved in cooler role-playing encounters so if you role-play that you don't recognize someone when they're wearing a mask it will just be more enjoyable than going well yeah that's obviously dave why are we all pretending we can't tell who it is
0: the magic of live role-playing is that we are or collectively buying into a world. It's very easy to be like, oh, but that's just Dave. He's got a rubber sword on. He's dressed as a knight. But I mean, he still looks like Dave. And that's just Jessica. And it's the classic thing that when live role-playing is filmed, it almost always looks kind of crap. Yeah. Feels crap much less often because when you're immersed in it, I mean, immersion is a bit of a overused word nowadays, perhaps. But for me, that for the sensation of immersion is when I am in the world, I am the character. You are that character. There's no. When I try to explain live role-playing to other people who, d- who don't do role-playing, they're like, are there scripts? And it's really hard to explain the concept, that certainly in the, the, the LARPs I play, know that, that there's not. We don't pre-agree what's going to happen, but it flows naturally because you are living in another world.
2: In fact, to sum up, I'd maybe say you can have a perfectly fine, enjoyable Empire event without ever thinking about half magic. But if you do think about it and incorporate it into your game, I think you'll have more fun. I think that's a great place to end. Yeah, that's what Half Magic's
1: all about is. It's a good place to end.
2: Cool. Thanks, everyone. I hope you enjoyed our discussion of Half
1: Magic. I'm pleased to say that all the new pages are now live, so why not head over to the wiki, take a look, and if you've got any questions, then get in touch. We look forward to hearing from you.